Welcome to the Naples Community Church Podcast with Pastor Kurt Anderson. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you find this sermon inspires you, builds your faith, and gives you perspective to see God moving in your life. We trust God has great things in store for you. Enjoy today's message. Well, I kind of stumbled my way through the prayer. <laughs> I, you know, it's, I've been doing this for 40 years. But every single Sunday morning, I still sweat blood. And uh, I'm still, I drive down Goodlett Frank every Sunday morning and, and am nervous and want to make sure I don't get up here and just die. <laughs> and, um, and so I, I, I manage to hold it in pretty well, but every now and then I stumble and fall. And, and, uh, and I, my, my concern is that you not worry about me. My concern is that, that I am clear and lucid so that you hear what God is saying, not what I say, or what the Lord says. I was reminded of the gravity of this work by one of my uh, actually, many of my professors in seminary, but one who, in particular, stepped out from behind the lectern and said to all of us who are about this many students in the class, and he said, you are under the word, under the word, under the word. And he also said, always wear white shirts, chalk white. So both Bill and I are kind of living in rebellion this morning. We're, we're on the edge. And, uh, I knew, I didn't even know. Yeah. <laughs> but just so you know, I, uh, every single week is like my very first week. Every single time I step up here, it's like my, my, opening, my opening sermon. Let's uh, look now to the book of 1 Samuel, the story of David being selected by the prophet Samuel. Saul was the first king. He failed. And so God said to Samuel, I want a man after my own heart. And so he goes to Jesse, and Jesse parades his son before Samuel the prophet. Now the Lord said to Samuel, you have mourned long enough for Saul. I have rejected him as king of Israel. So fill your flask with olive oil and go to Bethlehem. Find a man named Jesse who lives there, for I have selected one of his sons to be my king. But Samuel asked, how can I do that? If, Saul's here, if Saul hears about it, he'll kill me. Take a half with you, the Lord replied, and say that you have come to make sacrifice to the Lord. Invite Jesse to the sacrifice, and I will show you which of your sons, which of his sons to anoint for me. So Samuel did as the Lord instructed. When he arrived at Bethlehem, the elders of the town came trembling to meet him. What's wrong, they asked. Do you come in peace? Yes, Samuel replied, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Purify yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. Then Samuel performed the purification rite for Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice too. When they arrived, Samuel looked at Eliab and thought, surely this is the Lord's anointed. But the Lord said to Samuel, don't judge by his appearance or height, for I have rejected him. 
The Lord doesn't see the way things you see them. People judge by outward appearance. The Lord looks at the heart. May God add his understanding to this hearing of his word. And we do. We judge by appearance. We make all kinds of assessments and appraisals based on what we see. And God acknowledges that. He says, people judge by appearance. And yes, we do. So Samuel comes, and out comes Jesse's oldest son. He has a 5.3 weighted GPA. <laughs> and he scored 680 on his SAT. And when he came out, he had a letterman sweater from Bethlehem High School. And Samuel thought to himself, this is the guy. This is the one. God said to him, don't look at the outside. I don't look at the outside. You need to see as I do. Because we look on the outside. And, and thank God that we do. I mean, the reality is, we have to look on the outside because we must make appraisals about our life and our safety. And so let's say, for example, let's say you lived in a village, say, in thousand years ago down in Macedonia. And everyone in your village had dark hair, brown eyes, and the tallest man in the village was about six feet tall. And then some people come. Christopher, would you come up here with me? Pardon me, Christian. Christian. And then some guys come who are tall like this, have blonde and losing hair, <laughs> blue eyes, and we're muscled because we've cut down trees and we've built ships and we have oared our way down to where you are. We look very different from you. And we come in and we've got these stupid hats on with horns on the top. And we have, we've got beards and mustaches. And we are a threat. Thank you. We're a threat because we're different. We look different. And we are a threat. We're Vikings. And we have been working our way down to that particular place. And you've heard about us in advance. And when we show up, you know you're in trouble. So thank God we do judge by appearance. Because we must appraise threat. And we must protect ourselves and our families, etc. But there's something about that that constitutes a sort of a natural response to people who are different. And, and yes, it's natural. And, and yet the Christian life, the life that we're called to live, is not acting out of natural, that which is natural to us. 
That we have to discipline away. The natural one is the one that needs to be transformed. That which is natural is not that which to which we are being called. And so we have to we have to get beyond those responses of fear. And certainly you know what I'm talking about. We cannot simply judge one another by the way we look and make appraisals about one another by the way we look. God says, I look at the heart, Samuel. I want you to look at the heart. So, sons of Jesse come by and not a one of them, even though they're a bunch of good-looking boys, not a one of them is the right one. And he turns to Jesse, Samuel does, and asks, is this it? I'm sure Jesse's thinking, these guys are great. I've got good sons. They're hard workers and everything else. What's wrong with these boys? He says, is there anyone else? Well, there's, there's David. He's out watching, watching the sheep. And he's out there because he's the youngest. He's kind of a pencil-neck kid. And, you know, he, he's not very impressive. And so Samuel says, bring him. And he brings him. Comes and he, he smells like sheep. He smooth-faced because he's not barely old enough to even start shaving or growing a beard. Samuel says, this is the one. David is the one. David is the one after God's own heart. Now we know the story of David. We know that that doesn't mean he's sinless. It doesn't mean he's got it all right. But he is one, as will be demonstrated as his life unfolds, he is one who exhibits a humility and a care. He is one who exhibits something that, that God wants to see in his leadership. And that is those, those who know when they're wrong, who can confess it, leave it behind and move on. So David's the one. And Samuel anoints him. And that's when the trouble, of course, begins because David <laughs> is anointed as king by the, by the prophet and there's already a king in place. So we've got this conflict that takes place and that begins the story of David. But the point is, we've got to look beyond the heart. Uh, pardon me, beyond the appearances and look at the heart. As you know, I've built this sermon series around the, the little book by William McRaven. Admiral William McRaven, who's now the Chancellor of the University of Texas. His little book called Make Your Bed. And this third chapter is about looking at the heart. And he was in the Navy, but he wanted to become a SEAL. So he's, he's waiting in the, in the Quonset hut for an opportunity to begin the process of becoming a, a Navy SEAL, at least trying, at least getting into that training program. And as he's waiting to go in to see the lieutenant, who is the first interview, he notices a skinny, mop-haired civilian guy out there looking at the pictures of all the seals. And the seals all tended to look like Saul. They were big, strong men. And 
And he saw this little man and he thought, yeah, good luck to you. And then the story unfolds. I stood up as Lieutenant Huth motioned the thin man to come into his office. Bill, this is Tommy Norris, he said, giving the thin man a big bear hug. Tommy was the last SEAL Medal of Honor recipient from Vietnam. This seemingly frail, mop-haired man, who I doubted could make it through training, was Lieutenant Tom Norris. Tom Norris, who had served in Vietnam, had on successive nights gone deep behind enemy lines to rescue two downed airmen. This was Tom Norris, who on another mission was shot in the face by North Vietnamese forces and left for dead. This quiet, reserved, humble man was one of the toughest SEALs in the long history of the teams. In 1969, Tom Norris was almost booted out of SEAL training. They said he was too small, too thin, and not strong enough. But Norris proved them all wrong and once again showed that it's not the size of your body or your brain or your bank account that counts, just the size of your heart. And so it is God looks beyond all of our appearances and looks at the heart. And let's face it, we're all made so very differently. We're all made with different endowments, different capabilities, different ways in which we can approach life. And, and we do the best we can, but how much of life for, for so many of us is about just doing that stuff that gets us what we think is important in life. I was at a meeting last night with the president of Mercy College up in New York. And I was so touched and impressed that yes, he's talking about training young men and women to be successful. But he went beyond that and he said, but I also want these young men and women to understand their relationship to the larger community. To be committed beyond just the stuff of making a living and getting success and driving nice cars and living in nice homes, but to be committed to their communities, to be connected, and to be in relationship with people. The reality is we all come into life and try to do the best we can to do the best we can. But when we do, at some point we're going to realize all that stuff, all that effort, doesn't do it. It doesn't fill our deepest longings. It does for a moment. It's always nice to buy a new car. But how much do we drive that new car till the niceness begins to wear off? And we begin to wonder, what really is this about, this life? What is it really about? What is our, our really our deepest longings? Several years ago, I did a memorial service for a woman who had given, I mean, her name is all over the community, things that she's given, millions upon millions of dollars. And I was touched 
during the memorial service because family members came up one after another and they didn't talk about any of that stuff they talked about notes on her refrigerator and pie that she would make and how she greeted the grandkids when they came in and how she always had a special treat for the grandkids and how she was so caring with people total strangers would come to her and 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 she was always so kind not a mention of all the stuff that she had all the stuff that she had worked for all her life David Brooks points this out in his latest book he talks about the resume values versus the the eulogy values those things that we use to build our resumes versus those things for which we are remembered and that's the stuff of the heart that's the stuff that takes for us discipline to develop it's a discipline to care a discipline to think outside of ourselves a discipline to array ourselves with friends and family and and to make a a strong case for caring in all circumstances because we're all different and we all judge by appearance but at what point do those appearances begin to not matter anymore such that what really matters is our is our care for one another I have to say this week without this being a partisan statement at all but I watched which I have not done I watched the the debates on Wednesday night and what struck me he was just they all just attacked each other was nobody was nice to each other nobody's nice is that what politics has become is that what our culture has become I mean I remember the debates of 30 years ago and there was humor in the midst of all of that and joking and there was a undercurrent of mutuality and here we have on the stage people who are on the same party and I'm not saying this is about Democrats if a, if a Republican debate it probably looked the same just attacking each other when does this come to an end personal attacks I remember having a fight with my dad which when I was 14 15 16 years old was not uncommon and because um, I was growing up I was trying out new ideas I was testing my thinking and dad was the one always willing to enter into intellectual wrestling matches with me and at one point I think I was getting the upper hand of course from my view I always was getting the upper hand but uh, at one point I think I was getting the upper hand and dad said to me well Kurt you're just a kid what do you know I was alive back then and you weren't you weren't even thought of back then you're just a kid end of discussion and maybe 15 20 minutes later I was out cutting the grass 
dad came out. He came up to me and he said, he said, Kurt, I'm sorry. And he gave me a hug. But then he said something to me that I was, thought was so surprising. Dad was a civil engineer and, and uh, it was rare that he came out with statements that I thought were, were of such profound value. He said, Kurt, whenever the attacks become personal, the argument is lost. And the personal attacks are not looking at the heart. They're not looking at the striving and the, the struggling that we all have to understand the nature of life and what it is that we're here for and what it is that we're to do with our lives. My dad was right, if only for one time in his life. Dad was right. <laughs> and we, as we make our initial judgments, and we do, we judge on the basis of appearance. Yes, we do. And we begin to move beyond the mere appearance of things and recognize that every single human being, no matter their earthly condition, no matter what's going on in their lives, have been created in the image and likeness of God. And if we could see that person as God does, we would see one who was worthy of the sacrifice of Jesus' Son. Of Jesus the Son. The sacrifice of Christ. And so if we can look on one another with that manner, maybe not initially. Maybe we have to wait until the argument's over with. But know that God looks on the heart. It's not the size of the body, the brain, or the bank account. It's the size of the heart that counts. Will you bow with me in prayer? Thank you, O oh Lord, that we don't qualify for the sacrifice that you made on our behalf. But you have qualified us by making us and breathing into our nostrils the breath of life and loving us and endeavoring to redeem us. Thank you, O Lord, for such love. And thank you, Lord, that you love our neighbor. Teach us to do likewise. Thank you, O Lord, that you love the stranger. Teach us to do likewise. Thank you, O Lord, that you love our enemies. Teach us to do likewise. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. If you enjoyed today's podcast, there are a few things you can do. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. For more information, you can visit us online at www.naplescommunitychurch.org. If you happen to be visiting Naples, please drop in for our Sunday service at 10 a.m. We'd love to meet you. Thanks again for joining us. Have a fabulous day.